we can think of for what will surely be the greatest podcast in the history of recorded media. I'm Jill Poskins. And I'm Nora Katz. We're transatlantic friends and TV junkies with a passion for writing, politics, and breakfast food. Today we're talking about Parks and Recreation, season one, episode six, Rock <gasps> Show, which this aired- is the season one finale! It's the season one finale! Ah! Yeah. Um, it aired May 14th, 2009, um, so almost oh exactly eight years ago when this comes out. Um, yeah! Seven years, 363 days ago. Um, that was beautiful. Written by Norm Hiscock, who's also a, a producer on the show, and directed by Mike mm. Schur. And this is Mike Schur's directorial debut, actually. Oh, exciting for Mike. Yeah, and he apparently uh, he he only had job. one day to prepare for it. So I think he that's did very well. I think he did well, too. Yeah. But I think he does everything well, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Here's our little summary from Irish IMDb. Um, Leslie doesn't realize that a dinner with a much older man from the zoning commission is actually a date set up by her mom. That is actually incorrect. He's not from the zoning commission. He is the city manager of Eagleton. Anyway, Andy gets his cast taken off, but Anne gets mad when she finds out it could have been off two weeks ago. I hate these synopses. These are super spoilers because as someone, um, like me who had straight up never seen this episode before, both of those moments were like surprising to me. Yes. Because I didn't know either of them were coming. And now, like, if you're listening along and you were like, I can't wait to see what happens with this episode, now you know the twists. So I apologize. On behalf of Irish IMDb. Hopefully you have seen this episode before listening to this. Well, maybe. I feel like it's not going to make a ton of sense. Well, fair. Okay. I don't, you do you. No, we need to, we need a better source for our descriptions. So if you, uh. I'm going to write them from now on. That's I'll good. I would it. like that. I'll just do it. That would be awesome. A Jill synopsis. Moving forward, starting with season two, all your little synopses are coming courtesy of Jill. Just like the Parks and Recreation team, Jill and Nora have been finding their footing in the pilot season of their podcast. That was smooth AF. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Let's get started on the season one finale. Andy's getting his cast off. With Leslie and Tom and Anne all in the room. Yeah, of course. Well, there's a moment where... Leslie is doing a talking head about it, and then Tom just takes a stethoscope and puts it up to her chest and goes, your boobs are dead. And her (laughs) response is, stop it. No, they're not. (laughs) Which is great. Um, And Andy gets his cast off, and he has an iPod, an army dude, and like a bunch of gummy candy. It's his little pirate. His pirate was in there. His pirate was also in there. Yeah, and then he gets up, he's pumped to walk, and he just immediately keels over, and the doctor's like, "Uh, yeah, it might be a little weak at first. And my note says, this episode is just... Out of the gate strong. <laughs> have great you, cold open. Have you ever had a cast or broken a bone? I broke my toe last year because I walked into a dumbbell. Mm. Which don't do. I had Were you getting swole? No, I had the, I bought them and then used them a little bit and then they were on my floor and I got up and walked straight into one in the morning. And then I was like, mm, that hurts, but it's fine. And then I took a walk on them. Mm. On my feet. As you do when you take a walk. And then I went to work. And by the time I got to work, it was well and truly broken. But I didn't, like, realize that. (laughs) I just thought it was, like, badly stubbed. But then I was, like, hopping around the office all day. Like, all day I was hopping around, like, literally, like, I was, like, addressing flats. I think also wearing flats was part of the problem. There were a lot of mitigating factors that contributed to my toe, like, truly breaking. Um, and one of them was hopping around the office in flats. And I know I remember this because the lead actor from Kidnapped 
was in the office that day and I hopped by him and he gave me a look like I was a crazy person and in my head I was like great the guy from Kidnap thinks I'm crazy and I was sad <laughs> what a saga that was he wasn't wrong but it still hurt <laughs> it hurt because it was true uh, but yeah, then my toe was broken for a bit. Um, but you can't like do much about a broken toe. You just no. kind of gotta suck it up. So I have I figured out. I have never broken a bone, Kanahora, except my toes. And I have figured out that I have mm. four viable toes left. Because sort of once you break your toe, like it doesn't really, like that's sort of it for your toe. That's really not how humans work at all. Okay, then, hello, <laughs> if you're a doctor who listens to this, let me tell you a story. I broke my big toe when I was 14. I, yeah. I tripped over a stump during cross-country practice. None of this should be surprising to you. And <laughs> my toe broke, and I continued running, and it clearly this I had broken my toe. This is the same story. It really hurt, and I ended up getting really athletic. badly injured because I continued running with a broken toe, and so I was like, balancing my weight weirdly and I ended up with yeah. like bone contusion and bone marrow edema and I had to wear like a big boot for six weeks and it was a whole thing and I what had a horrible like... orthopedist who was like you know Boots. some people aren't built for running and I was like oh I will kill you anyway all of that is beside the point um where my toe to this day I can bend it back and forth and it clicks okay that's just that's not everyone's who's ever broken a toe though that's like your toe is weird I just assumed that the little pieces of the bone were, like, clicking into each other. There's some doctor listening, and they're like, their head is in their hands right now. And they're like, oh my god, don't take medical advice from these women. What are they talking about? Stop it. <laughs> I was a, TV! I was a certified wilderness first responder for a significant period of time. But imagine, like, dear listeners, imagine you're in the woods, right? And, like, I don't, something happens. I don't know, a bear attack, maybe. Maybe you trip and fall down a ravine. Maybe there's, like, a forest fire, and you're hurt, and you're waiting by yourself for, like, help, salvation, what have you. And then over the hill, you see somebody, and they come into focus, and it's Nora. What's your feeling? Are you excited? Are you, do you feel saved? Or are you horrified that this is what fate is? No, I passed all my tests with flying colors. We had to learn how to, like, how to, like, evacuate people from the woods. We learned how to make stretchers out of trees. We learned how to set a femur using a rope and a sapling. Like, it was oh my God. serious. You're invited to my zombie apocalypse group. Okay, then. great. I have to get recertified great. because I let it uh, lapse okay. because I couldn't get to another training, but... Uh, That's okay. You're still, that you still have the skills. I don't have any skills, so if a zombie apocalypse did happen, there's not much I would bring to a group except like charisma I think so I, I think I need to set myself up as like like sh the Sheriff Rick if you will of the situation like I gotta be the leader even though the Sheriff Rick has like skills like good survival skills because he's a sheriff I don't have those so I think I just like need to be like maybe I need to go with the cult route and make it more like a culty response to the zombie apocalypse okay. way, I need to kind of make myself invaluable like as quickly as possible because I can't do anything if you put me in the middle of the woods I would die quicker than like you're thinking I would like to tell an amazing anecdote about my father, who loves zombies. Really? And if you have a theoretical zombie situation that you want to run past someone, my dad is the person to talk to about that. Wait, I want to do that. But he loves, he loved The Walking Dead. I saw like one episode. My mom it. also loved The Walking Dead. But, but my dad loved it. And loved he watched it like religiously when it was on Netflix or whenever, however he did it. And yeah. um, I, this was when I was in high school and I 
walked past him one day and I was like, what are you watching? And he was like, oh, it's like a show about zombies, you know? And he has like very strong yeah. opinions about if a show does zombies well. Oh, okay. And I said to him, dad, like, what do you like about the show? And he said, quote, it's just about a ragtag band of misfits. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. That's beautiful. I... Do not think I will ever forget that. That was like the most. I love that. That was the most Howard Katz thing that my dad has ever said. Actually, that's not true. That's like Ooh, in the top ten. But it's he a really good one. He should write our new synopses. He should be in charge. Okay. He apparently. I have been in communication with him recently, and he has said that he has promised to start watching because he, I couldn't get him into it. I got my mom into it, couldn't get him into it, but he apparently is there. Parks and Recreation. Oh, the show. Okay. The show. It could have been, like, our podcast. I just didn't know. No, I tried to get my... I tried for a long time to get my mom into the show. I took... Okay. It took, like, four tries, and she's finally into it. And my dad never got into it, because he, he hates like joy. It. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but he has apparently promised that he will. If you're listening, by the way, this is, in fact, a podcast about parks and recreation, um, and we'll continue telling you about this episode. Yeah, and also, um, but I just do need to call out for a second, Dad, <laughs> you'd better watch this TV show or I swear to God, man. <laughs> is he listening to the podcast? Have you watched the show? Um, he did, I think, listen to the first couple ones. So, a couple minutes ago, when you were like, hey, who would be listening to this if they haven't watched the show? Your dad is the answer. Yeah, that's true. Hi, Dad. Right, cool. What's up? So, Andy's band is playing a rock show, and everyone's invited. Yes. Um, and Andy has been writing a lot of songs about things that are near him, including the absolute gem, Lamp! I wish you were a lamp that would light up when you got touched! Chris Pratt improvised those. Improvised that, yes. He and did. apparently he came up with that because his friend had recently given him a touch lamp as a gift. Yeah, and that's called using real world experience. That's true. He's a true to artist. To your art, yeah. I would um, like to tell a brief a brief story about another type of weird light, which is, um, my parents told me this, that apparently, um, when they visited my aunt and uncle a really long time ago, um, in their, like, apartment that they had, like, either house-sitting or, like, as guests, they were, but they were sleeping in the living room, so I guess they were there as guests, and, um, they had one of those clap-on, clap-off lamps that was, like, really popular in the 90s, and, I'm just um, so happy that I, like, didn't really live through that time. <laughs> I sort I secretly sort of want one. No. But apparently there was a really bad thunderstorm and the thunder was making the lights go on and off. So eventually they unplugged it. I'm gonna but. use that in a TV show someday. <laughs> so you know. Uh, anyway, Anne goes to the doctor at the hospital and is talking about Andy's adjustment to two legged walking again. And the doctor mentions that actually Andy could have gotten his cast off two weeks ago, but he didn't. Yeah. And the answer is because Anne has been waiting on him hand and foot. And Anne is oh. understandably displeased with that revelation. Oh my god. It's so bad. And in the meantime, Leslie's mother has set up Leslie um, on uh, a dinner meeting with the city manager of Eagleton to, to kind of pick his brain about like zoning regulations for this park she's trying to get made. Um, of course, it turns out to actually be a blind date with a man. Again, he's much older than she is. Yes. Um, but my notes are all in caps, and it's just, oh, Leslie's on a blind date with this guy, and he actually seems lovely. And he does. He does seem lovely, but he's, like, twice as old as her. Yeah, oh, he's, it's spectacularly inappropriate for her mother to have done this, but he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> but I would just like to point out that Leslie, um, has a really fierce eyeliner game. 
Oh, yeah, true. She's rocking that. Yeah. Um, and then Leslie calls her mother and is like, was this a date? And her mom's like, well, you wouldn't have gone if you had known it was a date. Um, great, so everyone else is at uh, Andy's rock show. And Chris and Pratt improvs a series of increasingly insane band names. Um, including Mouse Rat. Yes, including Nothing Rhymes With Orange, Everything Rhymes With Orange. And according to something I read somewhere, um, one of the other ones that he improvised was Nothing Rhymes With Blorange. <laughs> Which they didn't include in the Why final edit. Why did they include the extended edition of this episode? It's exactly the same except that one line from Chris Pratt. Nothing rhymes with orange. Everything rhymes with orange. Nothing rhymes with orange. <laughs> they're like, yes, I'm glad I bought the DVDs. This was worth it for this alone. <laughs> um, every single person has a date, except for Mark Brandinowitz. Ron is dating his ex-wife Tammy's sister, Beth. Um, what they have in common is they both hate Tammy. He is such a, like, a well-adjusted adult in that moment. I love him. Um, and we finally meet Tom's wife, which honestly, up until this point, I kind of didn't think she was real. Yep. But she's real. She's banging. Like, Tom, well, good job, Tom. Mm-hmm. The kids would be beautiful. They would be really beautiful. Yeah. Aziz Ansari is very good looking. Yes, I know. You don't have to tell me. I think he doesn't get enough credit for being really good looking. <laughs> I just really think he's, he's killing it. And on every, on every level. Just talented. Good looking. Everything. All of all the levels. Aziz Ansari, if you're listening, we respect you, but we also love you. Speaking of the speaking of which, today, as in May twelfth, today, Master of None season two comes out on Netflix. So if you can't get enough Aziz, get <gasps> on that. Master of None is so good. Actually also another plug for another Aziz related media content is his stand up. All of his stand up specials on Netflix are phenomenal. Um, Mark Brandanowitz, who again has come single to this party where everyone else has dates um is kind of talking to all these people and he's talking to april and april's friend who is gay not her boyfriend but sometimes they drunkenly make out <laughs> mark is like you know if you don't want to talk to me you can just say so and april goes i don't want to talk to you with like a big smile on her face i love i love her um great so then mark goes up to Anne and hits on her although it takes about two minutes for it to become clear that he's like properly hitting on her oh my god he's Which, such like, a white dude which is wild, because, like, up until this point, you have thought he's probably coming around on Leslie. Turns out he's into Anne instead. He's into anything that moves. I know. It was, I was, this is a disappointing moment for me and Mark Brandinowitz, because I was like, finally, like, you're realizing how great Leslie is, and instead he's just taking this opportunity to hit on Anne, who, again, is in a relationship. And so Anne says, this is an amazing line, let me tell you why I'm not going to go out with you, because I'm in a crappy mood, and I don't really appreciate what's happening right here. And then she proceeds to eviscerate him. So good. And he actually has to cut her off from eviscerating him, because what she's saying is just, like, so brutally honest. He's like, you know what, I get it, I get it, I get it, because he can't handle criticism. And then he walks away. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get, we sort of are cutting back and forth to Leslie's date, and um, yes. he holds up a picture of his children, and according to one fan theorist on IMDb, one of the pictures that he holds up is of Lawrence... <gasps> which I did a classic no. cat screenshot and zoom in, and I don't buy it. I don't think it is him, but I want it to be true. I want Leslie's date to be Lawrence's dad. I so I'm going to say that that's canon, but it really, I yes. don't think it is, because the oh my photograph God. doesn't look like him. We should have gotten some insight into how and why Lawrence got his birds. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> um, so but but um, Andy's band is made up of several important people, one of whom, the drummer of the band, Mark Rivers, is the one who mm-hmm. wrote all the songs for the band, except for the song Anne, which Chris Pratt wrote. And the bassist... Is Alan Yang, who is a... Is he co-creator, or is he just co-like... 
exec producer of Master of None. Uh, sort of both, I think. Sort of both, yeah. Um, and he big. also wrote he wrote Boys Club, which was um, episode yes. four, I believe. But he's a writer on Parks. Yeah, I know Master of None. And they're all actually playing their instruments. Yeah, including Chris Pratt. Yes. Yeah. Which is cool. And then anyway, Leslie and her blind date go to the rock show. Um, and he introduces himself, I'm George, I'm Leslie's date. And Tom makes the human equivalent of, like, the colon capital D emoji. <laughs> Which I would imitate for you guys if this was a visual medium, but sadly it is not. You know, we could screenshot so, it and put it on our Instagram account nope. that I haven't activated yet. <laughs> nope. Type, type colon capital D into any text system and look at that and then kind of tilt your head to the side and that's what Aziz and Zari's face looked like in that scene. <laughs> and then we hear The Pit, the greatest mouse rat song of all time. I fell in the pit. I fell in the pit. We all fell, we all fell in, in the pit. The pit. I fell in the pit. Yeah. Beautiful. I do believe that Leslie and George miss that song. Sadly, they do miss it. So like they finish playing it and then they and then Leslie and George enter. Um, so Leslie's sad that she missed the set and she kind of wants the band to continue playing. And Andy is also amenable to that because as he says in a talking head, I have no idea why Anne's upset with me. But I do know she's too nice to yell at me in front of all these people. So I am not leaving this bar. Not his worst plan. Amazing. Um, but Anne does coerce him into leaving. She's like, no, we're leaving. And he, he's like, fine. So they head out. Um, and then Mark invites Leslie to have a beer with him. Because yes. he's a sleazeball. Yeah. And a disappointing excuse for a human being. Um, but there is a really nice exchange because earlier in the episode, Mark had sort of had this sort of crisis where he has had a speed bump lowered by two inches. And he's like, oh, yes. you know, like, this isn't an accomplishment. Like, I shouldn't feel good about this. Like, it took so much work to get this to happen, and it's nothing. Um, mm -hmm. And Leslie says, you fixed a problem. That's what we're supposed to do. And I just really love that, because I think that that's a moment where we're really sort of getting what the philosophy of the world of the series yeah. is. Um, baby steps. Baby steps. And that is what government is. And like, that's the way it works. And I think that especially in a time when many people in government are actively rooting against the best interests of people, of humans, um, that it's like so nice to hear that sentiment from someone who like is a public servant in all senses of the word. And like that's her philosophy is like, hey, like it might not seem like a big thing, but it means that the next time somebody drives over this, yeah. they're not going to like wreck their bumper and it's going to improve someone's quality of life. Yeah. See, if you're a politician from, let's say... Indiana. You can do good in the world. Karen. You can. You Come can on, try. Karen. <laughs> yeah, Karen, that's a Stop making towel charms and fight the patriarchy, Karen. Yeah, Karen. Is Karen a real person? Yes, she's the second lady of these United States. Oh, see, I was that was a specific call-up post for Mike Pence. Yes. Okay, uh -huh. I didn't know what she's, she was. She's married to, to Mike Pence. Karen, why? Yeah, come on, Karen. I know that he calls you mother. What do you get out of that, Karen? <laughs> anyway. So Leslie and Mark go to the pit and they chuck beers into it. Yeah, which Les Mark Mark tries to get Leslie to do. Yeah. He's a bad influence. Um, but then they have this nice moment where he talks about the pit as if it's already a park, which was actually improvised. Yes. By Paul Schneider and um, Amy Poehler's reaction is there, genuine. And that, that's actually a nice beat. Duck, duck, glass. So good. Yep. In the meantime, uh, Anne and Andy have it out. Yeah, with these, like, really intense shots, like, through the windows of the house. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's some high drama. It's a drama. Um, 
Um, and Anne makes Andy take a walk so she can think about their relationship. And Andy exits the house, and there's just, like, a split-second shot of him looking straight at the camera, and his mm-hmm. facial expression in that is so good. I love Chris Pratt. Ugh, what a talent. National Cheshire. National Cheshire Chris Pratt. Um, and then in the meantime, at the pit, what happens, Nora? Mark is sort of talking to Leslie about how it's going to be an uphill battle to do mm-hmm. the park, and Leslie says, screw it, I'm going to do it anyway. Do it anyway. And I just love, oh, it just made me so happy. It just... That's it. That's the series. Oh, it was amazing. But then Leslie and Mark make out. And then Leslie is like, this is not how I want this to happen, which is so wise of her. And Um, Mark, because he's a lovely human being, says, Leslie, it's not that big of a deal. And Leslie's like, step off, you need to leave. And then Mark falls in the pit. Amazing. again, first time viewer did not see that coming. And you know who else thinks it's amazing? Andy Dwyer, who has seen the whole thing happen. And apparently the original script called for Andy to be, like, serious and, like, go get Anne because she's a nurse and, like, be concerned. And Chris Pratt was like, you know it would be funnier? If Andy thought it was hilarious. And it works. So he runs and gets Anne, and then as Anne runs out to go help, to go help Mark, Andy just goes back into the house and starts watching TV. And that's the end of season one. But, like, as that's, as Anne runs away and Andy goes inside, the pit song starts playing. Yeah. And it's, like, so... <laughs> we fall in the pit. We all fell in, in the pit. Mark fell in the pit. Beautiful. And that is season one of Parks and Recreation. And I have now officially seen every episode of Parks and Recreation. So thanks. Where's the magic? Where has the magic gone? So, Rock Show is actually widely regarded as a turning point for the show. Um, Almost every critical reviewer commented that it sort of finally felt like the show had hit its stride. And that's, of course, subjective. Like, you may feel differently, but this, this is sort of common reception is that this was, like, finally, like, when Parks and Rec sort of began for many of these critics, it was, like, this episode. Although one commenter in one review apparently said that like this episode and then season two was going to be great and then everyone was going to go back and say that they actually loved season one but he said they were going to be lying about that like people are just trying to jump on the bandwagon well what i think is what i think is interesting and i think that we can talk about favorite moments in a second but this is an important mm-hmm. thing to bring up is that um they filmed parks the first season mm-hmm. all at once yes rather than what happens perhaps more often is that they film the pilot there's a critical response and then they're filming the other seasons. And so there is like a moment for an external audience. But that is be- how that happens. Yeah, but because part because they filmed all six episodes at once, basically the entire season is the pilot. Well, it doesn't get to the audience before it gets picked up to series, it goes to like the networks first. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the I mean they like were the pitching and they like yeah. these six things as a unit rather than yes, like yes doing the first one, and then revisiting. Um, yes. So I think that that definitely has something to do with the tone. And they've said, I think Mike and Greg said, they sort of viewed the whole season as its pilot. And I think it really does hit its stride. And I actually, I did enjoy all of it. Yeah, but I definitely, I felt like if I had to pick favorite episodes, these last two were my favorites. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I do have a special place in my heart for season one. I don't think that it's the best season mm-hmm. of Parks at all. Um but I think it really works, and it's just so great to, like, see these tiny yeah. babies before they turn into butterflies. It's not a bad season. There are, there are television shows that have bad seasons, um, and I'm not going to name any of them here because I work in the TV industry, and that's not cool, but I don't think this is a bad season at all. No, no. And now that I've seen all of it, 
and have seen every season of Parks and Recreation, I can say objectively, not subjectively, I can say objectively, that there actually is not a quote-unquote bad season of Parks and Recreation. No, there really isn't. Yeah, which is wonderful, and it means you should all watch it. Nora's dad. Yeah, come on, dad. <laughs> come on, Mr. Katz. <laughs> Do it for us. Um, can we right. talk favorite moments really quick, and then I have a broader question. Yes. Um, well, as after mentioned, my favorite moment is when Andy says, I don't know why Anne's upset with me, but I'm not leaving this bar because she won't yell at me in front of these people. <laughs> um, I also love his lamp song. Those are my favorite moments. I also just loved April. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> She's such a great character. <laughs> um, then Aubrey Plaza actually improved, uh, or not improved, I guess she came up with a concept that... Um, April would have, like, this gay friend who they sometimes struggle to make out with. Mm-hmm. Uh, made out with. Uh, but she also actually, uh, she does some improv. They all do improv, of course. And Aubrey Plaza improv the line about how, like, she completely gets Andy's music, for example. Like, that's another example of them improving stuff on the show. Yes. Yeah, that's a great line. Which yeah, I think, I think we may come back to. Well, we'll see. My favorite part of the episode was, um, it's sort of right in the beginning when they're all in the courtyard mm-hmm. having cake. Um, and they're yeah. being invited to Andy's band performance, and Leslie says she can't go, and she says, oh, you know how I love mixing work into my personal life, which is the story of grad school. <laughs> so uh. I identified it with, with it strongly. I just thought it was so great, because it's, like, that's what the series mm-hmm. is about, basically. That is it. Is Leslie mixing so, work with her personal life. We have favorite moments, but now that we're done this season, we kind of did favorite kind of episodes, I guess, um, but... Do you have a favorite character so far? Hmm. Try to separate your knowledge of the next six seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so, so hard. I know, I asked this question and now like I'm thinking about it and I don't, I kind of am going to say Andy. And I feel like a lot of that is just like buoyed on Chris Pratt's charm. His boyish charm. I just, but I just, I feel like we all know an Andy. We all know Andy, but but there's something just like utterly charming about him. Like he, other than not telling Anne for two weeks, like other than that cast thing, he hasn't done anything like consciously mean. Yeah, I mean he's like like, an idiot. He's kind of moved through this the world of the show, just kind of trying. I guess trying his best, kind of. Although he's lazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I like about him, other than like the fact that Chris Pratt plays him. But that isn't just it. Like I just I. But maybe it's also that I know, like, he gets some character development. This is a terrible answer to this question. Like I said, separate your knowledge of the next six seasons. My answer is Andy over all seven seasons. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I also love Leslie. I do definitely feel like at the beginning of the season, there were a lot of parallels to Michael Scott. And now, especially in these last two episodes, um, but and especially, especially in this last one, she really is very different from Michael Scott at this point. And I think they've said, I think Amy Poehler said, like, a turning point was her stopping Mark from kissing her. That was a really defining character moment for Leslie. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that. Because so much of her, so many of her actions mm-hmm. this season have been motivated by her affection for Mark. And I yeah. think that her ability to, like, separate that from, like, what she actually wanted to have happen was really important. Also, very, like, bold move for a show to, like, sort of set up a will-they-won't-they in the pilot, and then the end of the first finale be like, no, you thought, but no. Yeah. I mean, because ultimately, like, what's important is, like, the work and her relationships, not her having a crush on Paul Schneider. Yeah, exactly. So. I also love Tom. So, going back to my favorite character answer, Tom is my other favorite. Yeah. Tom and Andy. 
I think we get sort of the most information about Tom. Very true. But also, yeah, I just think, I mean, when you have a, a show where the cast is talented, and when you know that the cast is improving some of their stuff, like, of course, like, your opinions of the actors are going to inform your opinions of the characters. I think in this particular example, it's, like, inevitable. Yeah. But I really do like both of those characters, and I think that they are f- the funnest to watch on screen mm-hmm. right now. That's Definitely. What I, like, I don't always love cringy comedy. I think it works in small doses, but, like, sometimes, like, there'll be, like, shows that kind of rely a lot on, like, making you as uncomfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, Quote-unquote comedic moments, and I don't always enjoy that. And I really don't think the show does that, and these guys are great examples of, like, characters who aren't cringy, they're just, like, funny to watch. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, so who are your favorites, or favorite? I really like Tom. Um, Same. and I, I mean, I love Leslie, I think that she... She is great. ...is sort of not, she's, like, working through some issues of, like, being really naive, but I do, I like her, her verve. Yeah. So. This is also, I'm glad I asked this question, because, like, I'm gonna say this in a non-spoilery way. But my favorite character of Parks and Recreation has not shown up yet. So thinking about my favorite character out of the main cast members we have now, like that's a different question that I would usually ask myself when I say who's my favorite Parks character. Because my favorite Parks character has, is not on the show yeah. just yet. Yeah. They'll show up. Stay mm-hmm. tuned, kids. <laughs> I, this might be why you and I are so compatible. So this, is, this endeavor is going to work. This is why this podcast is going to be a, a hit. Ugh. Killing it. Um, so should but, yeah. we sort of talk a little bit about, like, just where we are at the end of the season and sort of what... Yeah. Like, what this season does for us and what it sets up for season two? Yeah. A, a spoiler-free. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. Um, I, I mean, sense. what's... I just was interested in the timing of this because it was, like, second mm-hmm. half of... It's a mid-season replacement show. Yeah. Yeah. It aired, like, all at once and then there was the yeah. summer and then season two started. So... Right. Um... Yeah. And apparently the the pilot episode had, like, the highest ratings of any Parks episode. Up to this point, right? No, I think overall. Of all time? Uh Uh-huh. Including all seven seasons? I think so. I could be wrong on that, but I googled it. That's really interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, which, uh, which I do, I think is, I think speaks to what you were saying before about people who saw season two and then were like, oh yeah, I liked season one all along. Which is that sort of... People do that with The Office as well. Yeah. And I'm not, um, I have not seen all of The Office. It's great. So I feel like I can't speak to that with, it is great, I know it's great. Um, and it's on my list of, like, important, culturally great and important shows to binge. Yeah. Um, so I will, I will watch all of it at some point. I have not seen all of it at this, at this time of recording. But I think people do, that's a common thing I hear about The Office as well, is that I didn't like season one. And I know, like, I've read Mindy Kaling's books, and she mentions in her first one that people often say... They come up to her and they're like, I love The Office. Like, I didn't love season one, but I really feel like it hit its stride in season two. And she mentioned that she kind of finds that to be, like, one of those, like, false compliments. Like, like one of those negging things where you kind of say, like, mm-hmm. something kind of mean. Mm-hmm. And then follow it up as if, as if it's supposed to be, like, it's supposed to mean more that they liked season two and onward if they hated the first season. And she, she's, she was like, I don't like that. It's a little weird and disingenuous. And also, she loves season one. Yes, I also, she, I really like the way that she yeah. talks about that. And I really love season one of The Office. I think that mm-hmm. it's, like, one of the smartest seasons in terms of, like, the humor and, like, mm-hmm. what they're doing. The Diversity Day episode of The Office in season mm-hmm. one is, like, one of the most genius Yeah, episodes I've seen that, but I can't speak to it in 
I really, I, I'm just not, I, I can't speak to it in terms of, like, the series as a whole, but I do love that episode of television. Yeah. Um, I've seen season one of The Office, and I like season one of The Office. So I think that just, just sort of brings us back to this general point of, like, opening seasons and the mm-hmm. impression that they give for what the series is going to be. Yeah, um, not every first, I mean, every first season has growing pains, and also, like, I, I mean, I work in TV, and I watch a lot of TV, and I often feel like pilots, like, if you rank every episode of a TV series, pilots are, like, rarely in, like, the top even half for me. I just feel like because, like, television lends itself to, like, developing characters so organically Mm -hmm. and beautifully that you go back and, like, you watch a pilot, and, like, those are very different people. And also, of course, every show is finding its footing this early on. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. That's how television works as a medium, because it's a long-form Mm-hmm. format of storytelling um so i feel like never judge a show by its pilot that's true i think that a notable exception to that however is the west wing yeah yes the west wing pilot is one of the, not only one of the best west wing episodes but one of the best episodes of tv i've ever seen i mean every um, episode of the west wing is like one of the best episodes of tv this is just uh, a thing that I think. this is not the west wing pilot um our podcast my bad this is not the west wing podcast because that already exists I don't need to listen to a podcast about the West Wing because I grew up in a podcast about the West Wing because my parents are obsessed with the West Wing. Mm. <laughs> so I feel like I've lived that podcast, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the thing, though. Like, the West Wing pilot comes to mind because it's such a good pilot. And I just feel like not all, not that all pilots are bad, of course, but just once you've developed your characters and sort of found your footing and gotten, your, like, kind of the pacing of your show, it's only going to improve. It can only get better from there. Mm-hmm. So just by the virtue of the way television works, pilots are often weaker episodes. So never show judge a show by its pilot, unless it's The West Wing, in which case, judge it by its pilot, because it's a fantastic show. <laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, I mean, but but anyway, anyway, as pilots go, I honestly think the Parks and Recreation pilot is a really solid one. Yes, I agree with that. I can think of examples for shows that I think are wonderful that have weak pilots. I feel like I can't name them here. But like, I mean, we can all think of one, presumably. At least one. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say this is not one of those. This would not make that list for me. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say just sort of like about this season in general? Um, I like how intimate it feels. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I sort of like, it's very, it was really very character focused. It's really character driven. Because what's the main plot? The main plot that drives it is, like, are they going to make this park? And it hasn't gotten made yet, and they've barely made any progress after these six episodes. And, like, that is, like, quote-unquote, the driving force of the show right now. Mm-hmm. And they really haven't made much, like, movement on that. So what has happened in these six episodes is that we've gotten to know these characters, and they've all developed a little bit. And I really like that. Like, I like, I like how cozy that is. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't feel grand or, like, sweeping, but it works not every show needs to feel like that. Yeah, yeah. Its stakes are its stakes are low, in one sense, but in the other sense, like when it comes to people and people's lives, like the stakes are never low, and that's what the show is about at this point. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how about you? Thoughts, comments, concerns? Everything I said was just beautiful and perfect, and you feel like you don't want to follow it up. I get that. I get that a lot. I do. I really do feel <laughs> that way. I agree. I agree with the intimacy thing. I think I hadn't thought yeah. of it like that. Um, 
But you like that phrasing. But I do really like that phrasing. I think well, I that... Feel validated. I mean, for me, like, this this season is just so nostalgic because I've seen all of Parks and Rec easily, like, six or seven times. Yeah. Um, and so it's just so much, like, thinking about, like, my tiny babies and how they've grown up into beautiful butterflies. <laughs> um, my children. But I think that that intimacy is, like, so much a part of, like, the ethos of the show that... Yeah. Um, these are people... It's, like, a small town in Indiana, like... Who gives a rat's behind? But for them, but like, as, and especially for Leslie, like the stakes are so high for Billings yeah. Park. And even though it seems like a small thing, you know, the way that she frames it as like something that could mm-hmm. be really important for her career, like that feels true. Absolutely, that's beautifully captured in this first season. Like, like you understand why she feels that way because we're sort of getting a sense of her, like the way that she thinks about her job. Um, yes. And ultimately, like, it really is what her job. Show is about. Yeah. Yeah, so... I feel like, it's, an, it's a quote-unquote ensemble show, but more so than other ensemble shows, it's really about Leslie's journey. Yes. Yeah. It's st- but it still is an ensemble show. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like The West Wing is about everybody's journey, and so in Parks and Rec, everyone has a journey, as you'll see. Um, but really, there are shows where, like, main characters leave, and there are shows where, like... And there's going to be casting changes in Parks and Recreation moving forward. But... This show, even though it's an ensemble piece, doesn't work without Leslie. Yeah, absolutely couldn't. Yeah, that's why it's it's yeah, it's a little more about her. I mean, and so much of that has to do with the fact that Amy Poehler was like part of the development process. Yeah. Um, whereas I think in other, I mean, I know we keep comparing it to The Office, but like that was mm. very much developed by Greg Daniels, and mm. then actors were brought in. And in, a, in some ways. Like, obviously there were some actors who characters were developed for them and, like... Mindy Kaling, for example. Absolutely. Characters yeah. were based on actors' personalities and all that stuff. But the fact that Amy Poehler was, like, in the room as this was being created... Yeah. I think has to do with why Leslie is such a central... Yeah. And crucial part. Because they could have developed the show and then hired somebody. And that's not what happened. Yeah. So, sure. um, she grew as a person along with Leslie now. <sighs> little Amy, little yeah. Amy, fresh off of SNL. I feel like the other show Parks and Rec gets compared to most often, and like fairly, is Thirty Rock. Mm-hmm. Another fantastic show. I love Thirty Rock. Uh, but I feel like, and then the follow up to these are really similar. Like the immediate following sentence is usually, but like the difference is, and this is the difference, is that Parks and Recreation is has a little more heart to it. It has heart, and it it loves its characters. Yeah. The way that 30 Rock... 30 Rock is mean to its characters. Yes. Which is mind to, like, brilliant comedic effect. 30 Rock, like, lives for the bit. Yeah. It doesn't hate its characters. In a way that I truly identify with, because I do live for the bit. <laughs> I love 30 Rock. 30 Rock is so great, and I feel like, in the analogy of our lives, you are Leslie Nope, and I am Liz Lemon. That's fair. That's true. Um... So and this is in no way a criticism of Thirty Rock, obviously, because how could you? But yeah, there Thirty Rock plays a little rougher with characters. It's just a different philosophy of yeah. like what the world of the show is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I will go on record as saying I will do anything for the bit. So I do, I do love that about Thirty Rock, and I think Parks and Rec is more about like relationships and situations, mm-hmm. and Thirty Rock is more about like, okay, can we put somebody in a tiny blue suit? And it works. <laughs> But very rarely do things that work on the new rock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so should we have a minute here where we speak about how season one of Parks and Recreation sort of 
factors into and affects the general tone of the entire series. Yes. I'll tell you what. Okay. We're going to do the outro and the okay. exit music is going to play. And if you have seen the rest and you want to hear this, mm-hmm. it'll be at the end. And if you don't, Stick you can around. stop. Stick around for what we're going to call the season synopsis spoiler zone. Parks and Rec After Dark. Yes, that's good. I like that. All right, let's do this outro. Um, this episode and the entire first season of Podcast and Recreation is brought to you by Literary Starbucks, which is out now Woo! from St. Martin's Press. We wrote this book. We're so proud of it. We love it. You should go buy it on whatever um, mm-hmm. online platform suits you best, um, and ideally from your local independent bookseller. Um, a great telling point is amazing illustrations from acclaimed New Yorker cover artist and cartoonist Harry Bliss. Um, I brought the book with me to Ireland, and I was actually flipping it through the other day flipping through it the other day and I think it's funny and I literally have a PDF of it in my computer so that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, and we're completely unbiased on this so you can trust us. Yep, we're unbiased. Would we lead you astray? We wouldn't. We wouldn't dare. Check us out at soundcloud.com backslash podcast and rec and on iTunes and on Stitcher and again we would love it um, and like it if you would leave us a review on iTunes while you're at it. Music for this week's show courtesy of Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. We are on Twitter at Podcast and Rec. Tweet at us. We would love to hear from you. Specifically Jill, who's much more into Twitter than me. Um, and you can follow Jill on Twitter at Ms. Jill Madeline. And you can find me on the internet at norakatz.com, which is a really sweet website and I'm really proud of it. So check me out. Um, if you have questions, comments, business inquiries, fun stuff to share, complaints, or or something positive, preferably something yeah. positive. Or, that. or yeah. if you could that make one. a voice recording of yourself singing The Pit. Um, yeah, we'll play it. That may be featured on a later episode. So uh, shoot us an email at podcastandrec at gmail.com. And um, tune in in two weeks instead of one week for uh, season two, episode one review. We love love you and we like you. Bye. Hello there, podcast listeners. This is Nora talking to you from beyond the iTunes feed in the editing studio, which is also known as my living room slash kitchen. Uh, This is just a warning to all of you that this dramatic music means spoilers are coming. So if you haven't seen the rest of the series, just click stop. No one is going to have to know. Don't worry. Um, So welcome to the season synopsis spoiler zone. Parks and Rec after dark. Guys, exactly one season finale from now, Ben Wyatt and Chris Chaker will be gracing our screen. I literally can't wait. I can't wait. Literally. Literally. I literally can't wait. Oh, I'm so pumped. Guys, Ben Wyatt, my boy. Ice Clown clown Town Crown. Oh my god. Um, I think Uh, something that we sort of hinted to in our discussion was April's line about how she's really into Andy's band. Um, yeah, and how she's like, I totally get it. And apparently, Aubrey Plaza improvising that line is what made the Parks writers later be inspired to have them have their romantic relationship and eventual, um... They're, like, maybe my favorite romantic relationship on the show. They're the best, they are absolutely the best couple on the show, and they're, like, the most, like, healthy relationship, I think. And the funny that, like, Leslie and Ben close second. Yeah, that's true. 
But I just something about Andy and April that like, my actually what it is is this is that I saw this on, on Tumblr many moons ago, and someone commented underneath like a picture of them. This is what it would look like if a dog and a cat got married. So true. And it's so accurate. That's exactly um, what I it just is. Love them like very much opposites attract, and they work beautifully together. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing that develop over this next season, as well as seeing Mark kind of get some more stuff to do. I guess. Um, I don't know. I feel weird about hating on Mark sometimes because I know that they kind of went in a different direction than I think Paul Schneider anticipated. And there's some weird blood there as far as I could tell from interviews. Mm. But I don't hate Mark the character. I hate Mark the person. Yes. No, I think Paul Schneider, Paul Schneider acts it so well. And I think that he's a very like realistic character. Um, He's just a person like I know in real life that like hates Mm-hmm. in real life but like watching him on tv works fine for me um, yes but yes. i think i think now having seen all of season one and moving forward and i think we're going to be keeping this in mind as we watch season two um watching him interact and how he fits in with the cast i think we'll see why he does get written out and part of it is because like you know you make up a character in a pilot and they work for a bit but then you come up like maybe you come up with a ben wyatt and a chris Traeger down the line and you're mm-hmm. like these are just such well-realized characters from the get-go that they do end up rendering mark obsolete yes yes I and that's 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 life sometimes yeah for both actors tv shows and characters um i look forward to watching mark to have character development before his inevitable departure from the show yes not yes. as much as i look forward to seeing chris and and ben because pumped for that i think the story of this brief spoiler zone is uh jill and i both are just so excited for season two. Um, yeah! So excited. Um, and we hope that this uh, first yeah. season of the podcast has given you a greater appreciation for season one, if you're one of those people yeah. who um, passive-aggressively disliked it. it. Yeah. Also, I think season one and season two have more in common than maybe even season two and season three. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's gonna be, if you didn't like season one, like, I guess bad news for you, more of the same in season two, but if you can appreciate great television more of the same in season two as well yeah come on guys appreciate um, great television with us yeah plus with a full season order how, yeah how the plot will change and i think how like the momentum will become a little more prominent um but it's still not at the expense of character development i don't think but yeah, yeah. but there's more space for them to breathe a little bit and also to kind of think about how the park getting built is going to move this series forward yeah, I mean, if you think about it, season one is six episodes, and season two is like twenty-two. Yeah, which it's is a full season order. Incredibly more time. That's not a sense. It's a long time. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's more time, more time. But yeah, um, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to rewatching season two, um, which is where I kind of, for all intents and purposes, started the show when I started the show. Mm-hmm. Like when I binged it proper, I started with season two. Okay. So that'll be fun to revisit. And oh yeah, and the other thing we had mentioned kind of in the spoiler free bit of this podcast was how Ron's character is kind of going to change. And I feel like Ron's character changes more than he develops moving from season one to season two. Like they kind of rework Ron a little bit, which is why it's kind of weird to go back and watch season one Ron because he has been, the term is retconned kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Retconned is when you go back and you fix stuff that already happened. So like then when you go back and watch the original, like it's no longer like quote unquote true. Retcon is short for retroactive continuity. Oh, I didn't even know. 
I guess I, I knew that at some place. Yeah, it's life, a great but. portmanteau. Yeah, there's a lot of words that like I know what I know, I know them so well that I don't like think about where they came from. Yeah, early reader syndrome though. That's an example. Also, mispronouncing easily pronounceable words because you were too young to know how to look. I say massacre, or I said massacre for a long time because I learned how to read that word long before I ever had to use that word in a sentence. Mm-hmm. That's another early reader syndrome. <laughs> um, well, great. I think that's it for spoiler-free. The spoiler. Season synopsis spoilers zone. I hope it was okay. worth it. And we'll see you uh Me too. in uh in two weeks for episode one of season two. Yeah, we love you and we like you. What you guys get? Those are the guys they don't get that line. Yeah, come and on. Welcome, welcome to the fun club. This is the club. Yeah, they also don't get the literary, the literary, literally line we open this podcast with. Yeah, that's true. That that's just reference. that's just for you, you beautiful Parks and Rec rewatchers. You guys are cooler. It's more special than those people. Yeah, we hope you feel good about this, about what we've yeah. done for you here. We Was it worth it? it? <laughs> leave, a, leave us a note in the comments. Yeah, leave us a review on iTunes telling us if it was worth it. Just give us something. We love you, and we like you. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.